Welcome to Commons Groundswell, a podcast that examines human relationship with land through conversations with inspiring leaders, changemakers, and agrarian trust collaborators. Welcome to Commons Groundswell. In this episode, I speak with Tyrone Cherry III, an educator, organizer, and farmer in Petersburg, Virginia. We discuss the community oasis farm, why Tyrone wanted to put the farm into the Central Virginia Agrarian Commons, and the impacts this land is having on the youth of Petersburg and the community as a whole. All right. Thank you so much for joining me, Tyrone. I'm really excited to have you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Appreciate the opportunity. And it's a sorry about the rooster. <laughs> <laughs> no, like I said, I really do welcome the the rooster in the background. So the more the merrier. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you have been educating the youth of Petersburg, Virginia for 20 years. And I am wondering how growing food, food and farming became a part of that work. Yeah. So I've been I've been educating youth for 20 years all over um, from Hopewell, Virginia, to Petersburg, Virginia, to Atlanta, Georgia, Boston, Massachusetts, you know, Omaha, Nebraska. But um, the I settled where, you know, where I purchased my home um, and started raising my family was in Petersburg. So that was the last school system um, that I had a long stint at in my 20 year career. And um, while I was working within that system, I had a male mentor uh, group. It was called the Raise Grace for Mike Brown Scholars. So it was around the time that the tragedy happened with Mike Brown. Um, I was looking at ways to kind of, you know, honestly kind of vent and, and express myself and, you know, but still do my, my, my due diligence as an educator and as a, you know, a black male in the community. So I had a group of young men who were interested in expressing themselves. So we started a, a group. And um, what we were doing was we were trying to identify uh, problems or challenges within our community. And then in the same breath, start identifying solutions. And one of the first things that came up was the fact that we lived in a, in a so-called food desert here in Petersburg, Virginia. So um, that just turned into this now career of um, me helping educate the youth on you know the importance of gardening and environmental stewardship and eating healthy and growing that healthy food and you know appreciating and respecting the growers of that food so um yeah the 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 educational experience and my relationship with the youth that i was introduced to grew into this work Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so it really sounds like the the youth that you know you've worked with they're the ones that have kind of driven these efforts um and that they've kind of played a critical role in manifesting these opportunities to get their own hands in the dirt oh for sure for sure they're they're everything you know um as you kind of look at and i'm i'm thinking right now like how i've 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 been fortunate enough to be a part of the social media movement so a lot of these efforts a lot of this 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 journey is documented on social media, like, you know what I mean? Actually tagged with hashtags. So when you go back to um, Go Green Grade 04 or uh, Pound Raise Grades for Mike Brown, you can see, you know, like, okay, the little patch of a vegetable garden that we started. And then there was a herb garden. And then we're turning the whole front yard into a community garden. And then if you keep following, keep going down the rabbit hole, you run into a 50 bed community garden now. Like, okay, these guys started off in the front yard 
with some teenagers. And now these teenagers are grown men and they're building community gardens at apartment complexes. So um, it's just, um, it's been a cool experience to just be open to that inspiration. You know what I mean? And that comes from me being a, a teacher, being an educator, because I'm, I'm my audience, right? My market, what I'm selling is education, right? Knowledge, I'm, I'm, that's what I'm selling to you. My audience and my market is, is responding to me in a way that's saying, hey, I wanna learn how to do this. And because of this, so, and I'm thinking the same thing at the same time, I want to learn how to grow my own food because we live in a so-called food desert, you know what I mean? So we learned together, we grew together. And now, we, I mean, we're literally growing together now. So yeah, they're, 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 the youth are it for me. I mean, I have four children too. So that's a lot of the motivation as well. It's thinking about how to invest in that next generation. Are your own kids interested in growing food and getting their hands in the dirt? Yeah. Yeah. They, I mean, it, it comes to them, I would say naturally. Right. Um, but yeah, that's father, that's pops talking. But um, I started, I started gardening when, when our eldest was two and I started homeschooling her at the same time. We homeschool all four of our, of our little lights. I started homeschooling her at the same time. And, and it was because I was starting to see like the curriculums that I was used to teaching and all these different school systems. I mean, I taught for private schools, charter schools. I was a principal at one point. I've seen so many different curriculums um, and lesson plans. I was a substitute teacher for a while. So I, I've taught almost every class you can teach. Um, so I started seeing these same lessons in the garden. Like, man, I'm teaching her math. I'm teaching her science. But then I'm teaching her in a, an applicable way. She's gaining a skill. We're developing a relationship. So it just and it just started transferring over where I'm a science teacher and I'm incorporating the gardening and the plants. And, you know, what I mean, like before, you know, it, all my windowsills have solo cups. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like even as a math teacher, my kids are growing sunflowers at Petersburg High School in the windowsills. And it's because I can't get away. From, you know, I can't get away from this experience because it's so educational, so empowering. Um, so, yeah, my kids, they love it. We have um, our eldest son is he, he's a he's a farmer at heart. Sarah, he loves being on the farm now that we have that space. He loves being around the animals. Um, he's the one that keeps track of all the chickens. So um, incorporating that into the homeschool aspect has been everything. Like, I mean, the lessons are there, the life lessons, as well as, you know, those academic things, the science, the technology, all that is is right there outside of nature. So, yeah. Yeah, it is so interesting that so much of those, that curriculum, like you said, it translates to you know, it is so translatable in the garden. And I'm wondering what kind of transformation or changes you've seen in your students as they have the opportunity to develop that relationship with, with nature and, and land. Yeah. So because I started with middle schoolers, you're talking about like 12, 13, 14 year olds. Um, and I started, you can be honest, started with young men, Right. So they're at that age where, you know, that testosterone is kicking in, you know, what I mean, where where your 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 um your social status or you're just so, you know, self-aware, you know what I mean? Maybe too much so, maybe overthinking it. So to give them to provide them a space where they can let all of that go, like nature is not judging you at all. Um, it's a direct reflection of your energy. So you put you put um, a pure intention into this space and it's going to come right back and almost immediately if you're paying enough attention. Right. So if you plant this seed, you sow this seed with love, you're going to get love back. You're going to love seeing that thing grow. You're going to you're going to love eating that thing. It's going to it's going to give you love. You know what I mean? So um, seeing them and I mean, I'm seeing kids like I'm thinking of two right now, James Light and Wayne Court. 
I've known them since they were 13, 14. They're 21, 22 years old right now. You know what I mean? And just to see how maybe they didn't go to go to Virginia State University for agriculture. You know, maybe if I, you know, maybe we would have caught them earlier, elementary school. You know, maybe that that aspect of it would have would have locked in. But these young men have a skill set now that they're proud of, that they can take and apply to almost any position. Um, more importantly than that, they have a bond with each other. They have I have a bond with them. They have a mentor in me as an older male because of our time in the garden and our experience with nature. Um, they have uh, discipline. They just have so many skill sets that as a as a as a grown man who knew them when they were just young men, I respect them. And you know what I mean? But I also mm-hmm. saw that growth. So I can attribute a lot of that to those Saturday mornings. I, you know, I was picking you up at 7 a.m. so we can go work on that garden. And you were there, smile on your face, ready. You know what I mean? That translates over at 18, 19. Now you have a job and, you know, people are trying to figure out why you're so punctual. You've been doing it. You know what I mean? Um, so, yeah, I love it. I love, I love the fact that we now have this youth farm because, like I said, um, who knows what would have happened if they were introduced to, to, to nature and to gardening and farming and agriculture um, as a, as a form of, of like engagement and environmental stewardship, but also as a, as a business, like an economic stimulus, right. Type thing. If they were, if they were introduced to that in like elementary, middle school, who knows what direction they would have taken in high school and there and they're on. So to have this space now with the Petersburg Oasis youth farm, we get to take advantage of that space and get, you know, get them as young as possible and introduce them to that relationship with nature. So tell us about, uh, you know, for listeners that aren't really familiar, tell us about the the some history on the Petersburg Community Oasis Farm. All right, so I try I try to keep it short, but um, it is the largest urban farm in the city of Petersburg. I want folks just to like remember that, like put that in in parentheses when you hear Petersburg Oasis Community Farm, the largest urban farm in the city of Petersburg, five acres less than half a mile from an elementary school. Not even going to go deep into that because we just talked about, hey, if we get the babies, if we get them young and get them to the farm, well, now they're a walk away from the farm, right? With an outdoor classroom at that farm, but we'll get to that. Um, But it's a five acre farm um, that we, and when I say we, we're talking about the Agrarian Trust, you know, we're talking about Happily Natural and Deron Chavis. Um, and you're talking about a whole lot of other supporters now that we're so deep into the situation, you know, impact investors and people who reposted and, you know, helped us acquire this farm. Um, now we're at a point where we have this five acre farm and it is now an incubator farm for urban farmers. Um, so it's dead in the, in the heart of Petersburg, Virginia. Um, it's a space where local farmers who are interested in, in getting local farmers who are um, black, indigenous or of color. Right. Giving them an opportunity to get access to land and um, to get some infrastructure established so that they can succeed in the area of agriculture. So now that we've gotten this space, um, that's what's existing in the heart of heart of Petersburg. And that's that's now how I see it now at the center of everything else that we had going on in the, in the community with the River Street Farmers Market, with uh, P-Hops, with HCAT, with the wonderful things that the library is doing, with the local mobile market. So now we have like that source, you know what I mean? So um, 
<laughs> the Petersburg Oasis Community Farm is a big deal, folks. You know, we were considered a we were considered a food a food desert, and uh, we now have a five acre oasis within that desert. So it is beyond above and beyond a lot of things. It is um, a testament. It is a real model of uh, what a community can do. You know what I'm saying when they work together. Hmm. Wow, that is so amazing and. There's so many things that I love about the story, and I'm wondering if you can tell us about, so you made a decision to put this farm into the Central Virginia Agrarian Commons instead of sort of purchasing it yourself or like with your family as a family farm. And I want to know, you know, kind of that story and what led you to make that decision. And also, I feel like it ties into your personal story with this land because you have an interesting relationship to this land. And so can you tell us a little bit about that? True. So um, I've been working within this space of, 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 of uh, urban agriculture, right? Um, in, in our community, specifically in Petersburg, Virginia, for years now, almost a decade. And um, um, as it happened, my paths crossed with the original owner of this land. His name was uh, Mike Jackson. He had a nonprofit organization called Think and Choose Wisely that was committed to um, introducing and exposing the local youth to opportunities in agriculture. So I immediately, as I read about this dude, I remember going to 7-Eleven around the corner from me, grabbed a newspaper, seen this dude, older black guy. It says Petersburg, older black guy, like cowboy hat, like look like a farmer, right? Cool farmer, sunglasses with a tent on him. Um, I, and it's talking about him being in Petersburg with a farm and wanting to help the youth. So I think like the next day or two, my daughter and I went and visited the farm and we exchanged with him, had a good conversation. He sent my daughter home with a turtle that day. You know what I mean? But what I got from that experience was it was reminiscent of what I was getting from the gardens that we had helped develop. Right. Like seeing people come through and and take care of their raised garden bed or seeing a, a mother and a father working with their kids in a garden bed. You know what I mean? Like now I'm seeing it like now you're talking about five acres. Right. And it's like, oh, wow, this is a whole nother level. So um, fast forward, he and I started working together. He recognized my background in education, my connection to the youth, uh, gave me a space with on the land to develop into a space to educate youth on agriculture. Um, but as time went on, things happened with him. He got sick. He ended up selling the farm. Um, so that plan, you know, just got put on hold. So I'm working as a principal and I moved away from Petersburg, working as a principal in Charlotte, North Carolina. Um, I, I get a call that there's an opportunity to be a farm assistant on the same piece of land. And now I'm in Charlotte, North Carolina. Let's just, you know, pay pay versus, you know, and I'm a principal, not, you know what I mean? So <laughs> farm assistant, you know what I mean? Not even a, a farmer <laughs> might not even be seeing what a principal is seeing now. It should be, but it just is what it is. So, um, but that opportunity, I got a call from the director of the River Street Farmers Market, Cheryl Birch, and she said the opportunity existed. And I jumped on it. We didn't have to talk about how much it was. It was, <laughs> oh, I get to get back to the land. Like, okay, right, back to Petersburg, back to the land. Let's go ahead and make this happen. So the fam moved back to Petersburg. I worked for a while as a farm assistant for P Hops. Um, but at that farm, you know, that's a beautiful thing that P Hops was able to do for local urban farmers was find people like me to be farm assistants at these, you know, up and coming farms. So um worked as a farm assistant, got to learn a little bit more about the land with the 
with the previous owner, Jason O'Connor, um, got to learn about the land with him. He was more focused on um, more focused on like commercial growing, like growing in, a, in, in, in abundance. You know, what I mean, um, he was very big because he came from Vermont, very big on trees. So he and I would walk the property daily and talk about the different trees. So um, got a different experience with him on the farm and then also got given a piece of land on the farm to dedicate to the youth. That's once he realized I was an educator. Started working on that. Okay, farm doesn't work out for him. He ends up putting it up for sale. So that presented an opportunity to, you know, go get it. Let's just, let's, let's go get it. You know what I mean? And however we got to go get it, let's go get it. So there were conversations, you know, amongst my brothers and I about purchasing the property. Um, and then I had been doing projects with Deron Chavis, who is, um, who I consider like a real model to me, somebody that I look up to in this space. Him and Ron Finley are two individuals who um, motivated me to get into this space, you know what I'm saying, as in, intensely and passionately as I decided to. So um, had been doing some work with him and I just, I just mentioned it to him, the space. And he said he had heard about it. Then he came back to me and he started talking about the agrarian commons, the agrarian trust. And as soon as I heard trust, you know what I mean? I just, I, I immediately thought, okay, I like that. That's, I equate that to wealth. You know what I mean? I, I like that. Then it was like the commons and agrarian and helping out farmers and land access. And it was, and as soon as it said community land trust, game on. That's what we're trying to bring. Like, yeah, we're trying to bring, you know, uh, uh, tomatoes and cucumbers and things like that. That's wealth, right? I mean, that's health. We're also trying to generate wealth. Let's just keep it real. You know what I mean? So um, to know that this was going to be this this space, this five acre piece of land, which I I knew personally is potential. You know what I mean? Like literally have worked the land, knew its potential to know that it will be locked down for 99 years in a community land trust. So the community decides on what happens with it. It was a no brainer. You know what I mean? So and then once we jumped on it, once once we all connected and started working on that project to see how fast you know what I'm saying? That train got going. It was like, all right, there we go. Like that's the confirmation right there. And the train's still moving. I talked to Duran the other day and he was like, man, we're in uncharted territory right now. And it was like, wow, let's go. <laughs> let's keep growing then. You know what I mean? So um, it's exciting. And, I, and I'm glad you brought that up because that's, that's a piece of the story that usually isn't even brought up. But you just helped me recognize that, you know, recognizing how those how those things came together, the persistence that existed in that, you know what I mean, what it turned into. So appreciate you for that question. <laughs> yeah. And it's amazing. I mean, you guys raised the money needed to purchase the land pretty, pretty quickly. Actually, there's a lot of community support. And I think I even heard that there were a lot of people that were making great, generous donations from all over the country, even the country. Yeah, that was so cool to see the community from the community to the country from our local market, Agoria Market. They I mean, they gave on multiple occasions. They kind of they got things like ignited. Um, but then to step back and look at the the, the infographic and see uh, somebody in Seattle, you know what I mean? It's like, wow. And what that did for the community when the community looks at that and says, hey, somebody in you know Omaha, Nebraska, you know, invested in us. Yeah. Yeah. It's not just us that believe in us. You know what I mean? Cause it's really bigger than us. You know, we're just one of many, you know, communities that's experiencing food apartheid. We're just one of many communities that's experiencing, you know, the heart disease and the, and the, the diabetes and all that. Right. So this turns into something way bigger than, than just us. And we're tapping into that, but it also puts a lot of responsibility on us too. You know what I mean? So, but we, we're ready for it. I'm imagining you being in a classroom with, you know, kids that were the ones that were identifying that you lived in a, a USDA declared food desert. And now 
to be able to like this narrative changing and being able to talk to them about how you're actually building and creating an oasis. I mean, it's an amazing change in narrative and needed change in narrative. Yeah. In in their lifetime. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they can have their hands in it. Like literally at some point, you know what I mean? We're working on that now with the, the first thing we built on the land was an outdoor classroom. So the Petersburg Oasis Youth Farm is set up as an outdoor classroom, as an outdoor learning lab. It has a classroom with a whiteboard that's sitting in between two cedar trees that we've repurposed from the land. It has a fire pit in the form of a circle so that the classes can connect in that way. It has an actual learning garden. with a, It has a demo bed with a clear panel on it so the kids can see the layers of Hugo culture. It has a compost station that takes you through the three parts of the three-part bin and vermicomposting. But the idea was to get them engaged in it. Like you come onto the property, the same rooster you're hearing, that's El Ray, the king. The same rooster you hear now, the youth of Petersburg and our neighbors, our brothers and sisters, come on. The youth of Petersburg will be coming onto that land and they'll be hearing El Ray too. And they'll get to, you know what I mean? They'll get to tap into it and and, and you know how that goes. Like this, the, the sensory stimulation that comes with that of smelling the chickens and filling them and hearing them, what that turns into when you go back to class and now your your science teacher is talking about, I don't know, fungus, but you remember how, hey, that's a part of living soil. In order for me to grow healthy food, I got to have living soil. All right, let me pay a little bit more attention mm-hmm. to this. You know what I mean? So that, that's what we want to be. We just want to be a bridge for that. I have a, a toddler and they just rolled the hay outside. So there's these huge hay bales outside. And now that he's see, he's seeing them in person and he's like, and we're like, that's a hay bale, uh, you know, and he's looking in the book and he's like, that's, you know, and he knows. And it's so fun to watch how whenever you get to experience it in person, touch it with your hands, smell the hay. It's like it's all it's different. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It hits a lot different. Yeah. My, I've been in education for 20 years and I would say the last the last decade or so, you know, as you're going into these workshops and, you know, there's all kind of professional development. That's why I tip my hat to our educators, no matter how difficult the situation is or what kind of circumstances that we're put in. Educators are soldiers. Yes, is what it is. We, we know that as educators, we're on that front line. But the last decade, those professional developments, those workshops were on experiential education, how to incorporate experience. So with me coming in as a, I, was, I majored in biology, I, my first class that I taught for three years was life science. So I had it kind of easy. Every Friday was a lab class. I'm teaching you about your body and come on, like I got, it's easy. I got you. Right. But then I started teaching math, like pre-algebra and stuff. It's like, whoa, four X plus four equals like, how do you get a kid interested, you know, interested in this? And even then it's about the experience. It's about standing up while we do this problem. It's about getting you up here to the board and acting it out. It could be a matter of me just taking you out of these four walls, out of this math classroom, taking you outside, and we do the same math, but outside. And you're just everywhere with it now. Like you're connecting all the dots because you have more space, you know what I mean, to do so. So and that, that was a lot of the uh, motivation behind the outdoor classroom too, to provide that space. So this classroom, it's already up and running. It sounds like, what is it? What is the day-to-day or the week-to-week look like in the outdoor classroom right now? So uh, right now, still like development. So the first thing up was the board, the whiteboard, right? And then we um, defined the space. 
um, just so that when the youth got there, they would know that this was their, their classroom space within this youth farm. Right. They also have within that youth farm, there's also a space dedicated um, with a small stage that we're going to build so that we could do plays and, you know, open mics and things like that. Duran and his team are actually building a community kitchen literally as we speak right next to that. So you're talking about sitting at a community kitchen, eating healthy food, watching the kids maybe perform something that they learned or, you know, a play that they've been practicing. Um, and then next to that is the classroom, which part of it is dedicated to the whiteboard and the conversation. But we wanted to cut that short. Right behind that is the fire pit to establish that community. You know, we start as a circle, we end as a circle. Um, that's how I used to do my classrooms. Um, and then right behind that is a learning garden, which is just for them to, to test things out. We actually named this classroom space the Dr. George Washington Carver Learning Lab. You know, so there'll be conversations about how, you know, his first classroom was Mother Nature. And we're just we're, we're giving you the same kind of space. You know what I mean? For you to interact and engage with the with the plants and then see what you hear, you know, hear them saying. Um, and then next to that space, we have the the bee yard, which will, we have a um, we have a beehive that was made for us where you can open up a door and the kids can see the hives that's been built and they can see what the bees are doing. So for them to be able to experience honeybees in that way. And then that'll be uh, near the chicken coop. Uh, where we'll put our flock. We have a turkey, a couple of ducks, and some chickens that were uh, donated to us. Nice. We're going to take them <laughs> over to the coop. Yeah. That's yeah. great. Well, yeah. I want to come visit. Oh, yeah. Come on out. It's the community <laughs> farm. So it was wide open. Yeah. So what we're doing now to generate energy is uh, we're hosting like events to generate the energy. So we had... Um, some of the homeschool, other homeschool uh, little lights that we've worked with, some of our pop club members, they came over one night and we had like hot dogs and s'mores in the fire pit just so they can add their energy. The kids actually built the fire pit brick by brick um, so that they knew that they had their hands in it. They had their energy, you know, invested in the space. Um, and then on the 19th of this month, we're starting Intentional Sundays uh, where we partnered up with a couple of other other organizations and the parents and the or the adults will be able to have a yoga session and then they'll have a session on how to make like herbal scrubs and at that time um i'll be taking care of the little lights so they'll do nature school with mr cherry with farmer cherry mm -hmm. so it gives the parents you know sunday a little time to themselves get their mind right establish some intention for the week while the little lights we're going to do a little bit of mindfulness but we're going to get out here and play in this garden and you know in nature um and then y'all can go back home and go into the week with some intention so we're just introducing and some of these type of events um, at the space to get the local community comfortable with the space. And mm -hmm. then I, I can't wait till it becomes a day-to-day -day wow. operation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It, yeah, definitely sounds like it's a real community, community space. And um, I'm wondering, you know, if, if there are educators that are listening, you know, you had curriculum, I understand, because from our previous conversation, kind of set up already. And I'm wondering if you want to share anything about, how, you know, how long it, it took you to kind of create that curriculum, but also how do you guys intend or are you already working with the school system? You're going to not just be exclusive to one school, the elementary school down the road, but like, you know, potential for other schools to bring students. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, the school that's right next door to us is Pleasant Lane Elementary, and they actually, through PHOPs, actually have a farmer school program. So um, at one time, they were working with the former uh, owner of the farm and developing that program. But once he put the farm up for sale, all right, we have a farmer school program, but no farm. Um, and we much respect to PHOPs, all they, they pivoted. So they kept the farmer school program within the, within the system, within the school. 
and just said, hey, we're going to develop a school garden. So um, a school garden was actually built right next door. Uh, the plug was able to help out with that. We sent some volunteers over and got to help build that greenhouse up. Um, so that that K through five elementary school has access now, well, has been presented a farm to school program curriculum. They have access now to a school garden. And then less than, you know, 0.3 miles away, they now have access to a farm. You know what I mean? And again, that was the motivation of, okay, what do we do with this space? And, and the space that we're working with as far as the youth farm is the same space that was uh, gifted to us by the, far, the former uh, owner. So there were already ideas there on how we were going to develop it. But you're talking about two or three years later. I've now worked within the farmer's market. I've now run in the pop club, which is a youth program. I've been in the system long, you know, long, long been in the school system. So now I'm able to put all these things together as, you know, the perspective of an educator within the system on, with different curriculums and subjects as a principal of a, of a school that was fifth grade to 10th grade. Um, and now as a, uh, a farmer's market vendor and, you know, and co-manager, can start putting these things together for our youth. And that's what the youth farm is representative, uh, representative of. So eventually uh, what it looks like is us connecting with local educators on their curriculum and just starting to incorporate the farm into their curriculum. So if you're going over, you know, seventh grade science and we're talking about, I don't know, kingdom, you know, phylum, and you're talking about bacteria we, and you want to give them a different perspective on bacteria, let's Let's schedule a trip over for the compost station. Let's talk about how bacteria plays a role in composting. Mm -hmm. Yep. So um, we're looking forward to being able to partner with the local school system and, and grow from there because that gives us direct access to, you know, to the youth. They're already there at school. You know what I mean? They're already learning mm -hmm. this, this information. Why not go ahead and give them an experiential uh, or an experience with that education? That's so great. Yeah, I would have, I think, been more interested in school if I had that opportunity <laughs> to get out Me of the too. classroom. <laughs> Me too. And that's what the, having the perspective of like being an educator, like in just anywhere, you're, you have to figure out ways to represent the information, not only for the audience, but for yourself to keep yourself intrigued, keep yourself inspired. You know what I mean? So the beauty of this, of agriculture and, you know, the, the science and everything that goes into it is it's a it's a reflection of life. You know what I mean? In so many different ways. And life is always changing. You know, life is always inspirational. So it makes it that it makes it that much easier to to provide a, a curriculum or a lesson plan, because all you have to do is pay attention to life. Like what's going on here, you know, with our lives as a community. OK, now, how do we you know how do how do we reflect that here with Mother Nature? How do we you know what I mean? So uh, we're having few food insecurity issues. Cool. How do we reflect that here? All right, let's get us a farm going. So earlier you mentioned that with the Agrarian Trust, you have a 99-year lease on this land. What does secure access to land mean to you in terms of reclaiming food sovereignty for your community? Yeah, it's it's a representative. I mean, it's it's um it's it's the the confidence, it's the, the, the power. And when I say power slash responsibility, that comes with independence. And, and that independence is, yeah, we're, de we're depending on something, right? We're depending on our community, right? We no longer, and as long as I've lived here in Petersburg, I'm not from here, but I've lived here a long, long time. Um, what we're used to is depending on somebody coming to help us. You know what I mean? And it, what it causes you to do is you start looking for that. Right. You, you stop looking in the mirror for the hero and start looking outside the window. 
And then if the hero never shows up, start feeling some kind of way. You know what I mean? So what this did was it put a it put a mirror up. It was already there. You know what I mean? It just that's why I I applaud you know the agrarian because that's they use their network to shine a light. You know what I mean? And because we were here seeing that light sh- shown on us, we're now reflecting that light. You know what I mean? So it 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 just and then being able to like we we've been talking, being able to um, engage and expose the youth to agriculture this way. You know, they're going to have an idea of what a food system is now. I didn't know until I was a grown man. I'm just now recently and still not overstanding what it is, like still studying, still grabbing knowledge from Deron. I go, anything that Deron Chavis host, I'm there. I'm tuned in and, and trying to learn. You know what I mean? Took Ron Finley's masterclass several times. Like for them to be exposed to it so young and then to have be able to have the opportunity to have a role in it. Like we were initially going to do just a classroom, outdoor classroom. It turned into a youth farm because it was like, I'm really like sitting back and, and looking at like, wow, look how like Duran is thinking incubator. Duran is thinking of of growing urban growers. Oh man, agrarian is thinking of growing like growers, like nationwide. Like I'm just stepping back and looking at how these people who I look up to are looking at things. And it's like, and then I was watching a, um, a presentation that Duran did with agrarian and there was a lawyer and she put out a statistic and it said for every farmer under the age of 25, there's like five that are 70 plus or something like that. And it was like, okay, boom, there we go. It like hit me. Like, there it goes, T. There you go. We got to get them young. We got to get them young. You farm. You know what I mean? Give them an opportunity to be engaged in this. Be, you, know, you see it at the farmer's market, people making good money selling produce. And it's not about the money. It's about the energy exchange. People are getting good produce. You know what I mean? So give them the opportunity at 1415 to have a space on that farm, grow good produce, show up Saturday at the farmer's market and see what this, you know, what this can really do to, to stimulate not just the, the economy, but stimulate like the health here in the community. So it was a, it's like a no brainer. How is this land contributing to Petersburg's transformation into an oasis? So not just the farm as an oasis, but Petersburg, you know, as a city. Mm -hmm. Um, The fact that it's a community farm, you know what I mean? That, that, that's, that, that's there. You know what I mean? That, that, that's in the, the initial intention of the space is to not just grow food, but to cultivate the community. And that's there. I mean, that's the that's that's a foundation within everybody who helped create the foundation of this farm. And I say that with such excitement because I'm also within other pockets of the community with the farmers market and P Hobbs and H Cat and things like that. So to know all the work that they're doing, that they've been doing, and it's just like like having a local grower was it. You know, having a space to educate and empower. Even Virginia State University has an indoor ag agricultural center that is there to support local urban growers, small growers, you know what I mean? For to see the challenges that we were facing and now to have this space where everybody's a community farm, not just people within the community as far as citizens and residents, but the organizations that make up this community, the influencers, the actual city now has a space where, you know, there's something that you all wanted to implement agricultural wise or agro-tourism wise. You now, we now have a space to do that. We have a, we can sit down at a table. We can now break bread, you know, and, and, and we can have a meal that we actually grew here in Petersburg. You know what I mean? So um, yeah, it just, it, it turns into um, I can't even say like it's, it, it, it ignites anything because the spark is already there. It just, it added to the flame. It was like a, a, a breath of fresh air 
right? That that added to that flame instead of blowing it out. And um, yeah, I'm pretty sure the fire is just gonna keep growing because I see it all the time. I see it when I go to Food Lion, you know, when people are saying like, "Hey, I seen that we got the farm," or you know, the, the recognition that's coming with the space. So, mm-hmm. and we're just starting. We're not even six months into this. So that is amazing. Well, is there anything that I didn't ask you about that that you want to share relevant to the you know relationship to land or um, the farm? Nah, I appreciate I appreciate the conversation. I appreciate the questions you asked. You had me thinking about things I hadn't thought about in ways I hadn't thought about them. Um, so I, I appreciate that. Um, appreciate the platform for you you're providing a space. You know, I mean, for us to present these stories and this narrative because I feel like that is. Um, let me stop fronting. I don't even feel like it. I know that that is one of the most important parts of it. You know what I mean? That you can't deny certain things uh, the same way you can't deny that a seed was sown and you see that plant growing. You can't deny some people's passion and you experiencing that, you know, visually or, or even through the audio. Um, so for you to provide a platform for us to be able to present that passion um, is, you know, we appreciate it because that's what it's about. It's about inspiring. You know what I mean? And we're able to you know, we're able to do that now that we can get the story out. So. Well, I am so inspired. I'm so inspired by the work that you've done on your own. And just, you know, like you mentioned, educators are such warriors and champions. And thank you so much to you and all the other educators out there yeah. for all that you do. And yeah. yeah, and then to too. pair it with the farming and the gardening is like it's just coming. an epic, important, necessary <laughs> new direction. Yeah. Educators out there, if you if you feeling, I know, I ain't even going to say it. I know what you're feeling. I'm 20 years deep in it. Think about that. I seen it. You know what I'm saying? I seen it. I see what you see. I was a principal and I, it didn't last long. All right. Because I'm a soldier. I'm on the front line with you. Keep doing it. You know what I mean? You know, we got into it for That's what you stay in it for. Them babies need us. Those little lights need us. There will be other ways. You just got to be creative about it. Had no idea I was going to end here. Started off as a life science teacher. And now we're talking about life science on a farm. Had no idea. And I grew up with no history in farming at all. I'm from Charlotte, North Carolina. I pulled up to high school with two 12s in my trunk. Didn't know nothing about <laughs> growing no food. You understand me? Like, um, so just keep keep pushing, you know what I mean? Keep pushing for the community, keep pushing for the culture. Cause we we need we need that education. It's empowerment. hmm Well, thank you so much for taking time. I know you have a busy schedule with four kids and all the things that you do. And I loved seeing your little one um pop up behind your shoulder for a minute there. And that was the young farmer too. That was Sarah. <laughs> That's great. Well, thank you again, Tyrone. I really thank appreciate you, your time. No, right. I appreciate you. Appreciate the energy, love. All right. All right. Peace. This podcast is made possible through the generous support of Calliopeia Foundation, supporting organizations and initiatives that reconnect ecology, culture, and spirituality. Learn more about our work at agrariantrust.org.